I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the New European Podcast. My name is Steve Anglesey. There's no Richard Porritt this week. He's off visiting his relatives in Cornwall. The Porritts of Penzance. (laughs) An excellent joke there. Uh, We'll be hearing from Richard later on in this pod, though, and he's been speaking to Dinesh Deneja, who's a Libet Dem MP for London, also the founder of the travel firm eBookers. And Dinesh will be giving us his verdict on who's going to be the new Prime Minister. Mm, I think we might know. And also the uh, Lib Dems resurgence. And after we've heard from them, of course, we'll be crowning a Brexiteer of the week, as we do every week. In Richard's absence, and refusing to laugh at my fantastic Porritts of Penzance <laughs> show, but, you know, it's too late now, I'm joined by John O'Reed, who Hello. runs the uh, TNE website. Are you OK, John O? Yeah, I'm off, off the subs bench this week, so... It's, we're very excited to have you, um, and, uh, and your expertise is going to come in handy as we, we, we go into this first bit. I have had a great idea for the film, by the way. One night there's this massive power surge, right, and everybody in the world forgets that Boris Johnson exists, apart from one struggling obscure politician and he thinks maybe I can just do all Boris Johnson's old routines and maybe I can become Prime Minister if I march around lying about stuff and having affairs and spilling wine all over my girlfriend's couch and refusing to answer questions and pretending that I paint buses on wine crates in my spare time and generally being an arse and then he thinks no that would be completely stupid and so everybody in the world forgets about Boris Johnson altogether and it's happy ending. Yeah, it, it started off like a horror story, but you know the end. The ending sounded yeah, know, yeah. happy ever happy happy ever after. I'm thinking it could be Richard Curtis's next uh, <laughs> next thing. Um, now you're a man who knows how the internet works. So yeah. when Boris Johnson was asked by talk radio what he did in his spare time, mm. and he made up this bizarre thing about uh, painting models of buses out of a wine crate. Mm. Was that just Boris Johnson being stupid, or was it actually a very cunning ploy to um, move Boris Buss down in the Google rankings, as some conspiracy theorists seem to be suggesting? Well, even the conspiracy theory doesn't even stretch that far. I think that, that's, that, that's quite clever, that one. But I think what people certainly noted was that it was a distraction from the stuff that's gone the last week, particularly um, yes. with what went on with his partner and the police visit. Um, things around scrutiny around his Brexit plans, etc. All those sort of things were pushed to one side, especially the whole photogra- photograph saga. Um, you know, suddenly that became less of a talking point, and we were all starting to almost play into what p- perhaps Boris wants us to be talking about, which is him being a bit of a fool talking about things like the uh, the model making that that we just t- discussed. Um, but, I mean, on the other hand, a lot of people were watching it thinking this is a man that we're actually watching right now, living out his lies, the fact that he can't even give a straight, honest answer to the fact that, um, you know, what, what he does to relax. I mean, we used to joke about how Theresa May would answer a question. Everyone called her the Maybob because she sort of gave this stereotypically GCSE French sort of answer to how she enjoys to relax. I mean, she talked about... She liked walking, she liked cooking, she liked watching NCIS, and that was literally it. And we all thought that was a bizarre answer. But Yeah, she will have lots more time to do these things in 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 the future. But the fact that, you know, we were watching in, you know, this 90-second clip um, a man that was clearly lying through his teeth to a certain extent about what he likes to do to relax, you know. But 
others pointed out that perhaps, um, you know, of all the things that he could answer, and probably some of the answers would not be the sort of PC things that he could talk about. No. Um, you know, this is probably the best thing they could come up with as an answer. Now, I mean, people did say they noted that, you, you know, if you put Boris Bus into Google, the, the things that came to the top naturally were now um, stories about Boris Johnson mm. painting bus crates mm. rather than the uh, vote leave bus mm. with 350 million to the a week to the mm. NHS on it. And this was part of the theory. And I, I've got to say, it's not really, uh, I don't think it's really a thing. Mm. Um, I've been working in you know, digital for a lot of years. I don't think people were searching for no. Boris Bus. I think Boris Bus to Londoners means the the sort of the new route mm. masters mm. that he brought mm. in that he was mm. talking about mm. the other day. Um, and I, I think you know, um, it's a, that is a conspiracy uh, theory too far. Also, Google sort of you know recency fades in Google, doesn't it? So what you get in search results depends on if, if, if he talks a lot about buses tomorrow and the Routemaster buses or painting buses that will come up in a few weeks time it will be back to um, searches about uh, Boris and the, the 350 million bus Absolutely. but I don't think it was really a, a thing in the first place apart from this is this campaign electrifying you um, certainly not uh, <laughs> in, in a basic response there um, you know it's it's been what we thought it was going to be, though. I mean, they say that they don't want it to be a coronation, but it, it does feel like it's just heading that way. And, you know, again, the EU talked about don't waste this time. And, of course, you had Tusk the other week saying, basically, you are wasting this time. And, you know, who, who can disagree with him? This is just an almost, almighty distraction from the crisis that essentially we're not going to be able to solve um, by having this leadership, by having by having this leadership race and by having another prime minister, it doesn't solve any of the big questions that we've got there. But yes, um, you know, it's, it's certainly not electrifying and, you know, you've got to feel a bit of sympathy for the Lib Dems who are still trying to muster something out of their leadership race at the moment and all eyes, unfortunately, in terms of the political world are on this race and not a lot is really happening, is it? No, not particularly, and I think that's a really good point about the uh, the Lib Dems, who, you know, have got every chance of, of, of being, you know, in, in a coalition um, if we have a general election, uh, which uh, we soon might after either Boris Johnson or Jeremy Hunt uh, is crowned. Uh, OK, uh, thanks for that for a second, John O. This is the New European Podcast with Steve Anglesey and John O. Reid. We'll be back in a minute to look at one of Boris Johnson's big ideas a bit more closely. Uh, first, here's a word from our editor. I'm Matt Kelly, and I'm the editor of The New European, the newspaper that brings you this podcast. Every week, The New European is committed to providing in-depth reports and analysis about the progress and implications of Brexit. We also celebrate Europe in our great cultural and arts section, Europhile. And we do it uniquely from a Remainer perspective. We think we are making a difference. We think it's important that there's a voice balancing, even if only in a small way, the dominant right-wing media voices that prevailed before and since the referendum. If you think what we're doing is important, you can help us. The best way to help us is by subscribing. Just now, there's a special offer. You get 13 issues for just £13. That's a heavy discount from the £3 an issue retail price point. And if you subscribe now, you also get a free Bollocks to Brexit mug. It's very easy. All you have to do is go onto your search engine and put in New European Subscription and you'll find the link. Thank you for your support and I hope you enjoy this podcast. We are back on the New European Podcast. Um, John, I've got something to ask you now. Do you, know, do you remember how much a pint of beer was when you were first allowed to drink beer? Oh goodness! It, it, it depends on. I'll where. give you a minute to. Well, okay. Depends I'll give, on where. <laughs> I'll give you a minute to, uh, to to think about it because apparently last week uh, I said that when I first became old enough to to drink legally, it was thirty five p a pint, and one of my mates um, from uh, uh, back in the day, as they say, uh, has contacted me to say that that's totally wishful thinking. It was um, it was actually sixty five p a pint. I am old, right. but right. I'm not that old. Um, but that was in 1985. Five. Now, right. When when did you become 18? You're th are you 30? Yes. Right. Okay. So that is about. It would be uh, 2005. 
Mm, a bit later than that, it could be about 2006, 2007. Okay. I mean, the, the listeners can do the maths, I'm not strong on maths, but yes. Uh, I th- well, in 2005, it was £2.43 a pint, a pint of lager. Okay. So a little bit of inflation on the 65p that I enjoyed <laughs> a little bit, yes. in the Anvil. We, can't, in, we uh, can't even blame Brexit for that one, can we? No, we can't. I mean, imagine how much it's going to <laughs> God, you know the sweet release of alcohol is what we're going to need. People, people will listen to this podcast and go, "What? How much?" <laughs> I know yeah. that'll only be in a few years' time. So. That's right. Yeah, no, no, it'll be in November. <laughs> Remember the days when it was seven pound fifty a pint in London? Oh, oh, oh happy, happy days! Uh, something that makes me want to drink heavily is this new unicorn in the parade ring that the Brexiteers have brought in, which is um, Gat Article. 24 mm. what what do you know what do you know about this well it depends again it depends on who you ask but <laughs> i mean it, it does seem to be this the last glimmer of hope for the brexiteers at the moment that you know if, if a no deal brexit does occur that they've got something to stop all hell breaking loose i mean the sort of people that are supporting it um and, and talking it up don't sound particularly convincing characters um, but yes, it, it seems to be something that can be applied to goods, um, you know, to, to sort of help with, with tariffs and, and to prevent everything um, significantly rising in prices, such as the beer that we just talked about there. Yeah, yeah, and that is the um, that is the why the Brexit bunch who are really getting desperate now have seized on this thing. It's a it's a, a rule uh, it's rule of the the World Trade Organization. Um, it was written apparently in 1948, uh, and it says that two members of the World Trade Organization can, if they are on the way to um, to formalising a free trade deal between themselves, they can choose to invoke this article. Um, and it stops the need, the automatic need for uh, tariffs and trade limits, which is something that people don't talk about a lot. Um, so uh, it, it would, be, yeah, it's a subsection of this rule. We could continue to deal with the EU without the additional duties and the limits on goods which would ordinarily come into play. And Boris Johnson very keen on this. There'll be no tariffs and no quotas. He was, uh, he said during the leadership. Uh, debate, Pretty Patel, Ian Duncan Smith, Mark Francois, all of these people mm. have um, come out and said that this is the thing, uh, zero tariffs, regulatory standstill while we negotiate a comprehensive free trade agreement. The problem with it is what? Well, I mean, <laughs> it is effectively a unicorn. No one, yeah. no one of any expert knowledge. I mean, even Liam Fox, which I wouldn't put in the camp of... Uh, yeah, yeah. an expert has you know poo-pooed this and you know effectively said that you know they've, they've misinterpreted these rules i mean yes Theresa may herself has said that as well um yeah yeah you know it, it is effectively a unicorn there's no other way of putting it it is just something that they've sort of fantasized about that is a myth yeah it isn't true that's the problem said liam fox who you know who, who does tend to seize on the... Who'd have thought that Liam Fox would be the voice of I know, exactly. Of reason? I mean, there is uh, the disgraced former Defence Secretary <laughs> who's now telling us, you know, how to conduct ourselves in politics and lecturing Boris Johnson. Um, he did say something like, it's important that public debate on this topic is conducted on fact rather than supposition. Um, and, you know, there, there's uh, Liam Fox basically telling us how to behave in politics. It is just, I mean, we're in incredible times here, aren't we? Uh, the Daily Express, which really loves Brexit and really loves Boris Johnson, <laughs> did a, a fantastic article on this the other day, and they're trying to sound really enthusiastic about it. And they, in fact, they found an economist who sounded vaguely enthusiastic about GATT Article 24, and their headline on this piece was, Boris Johnson is right to say the UK can avoid tariffs, says expert, with one catch. And the tiny catch is, as David Collins of the City of London University outlined, both parties would have to agree to such an arrangement. It cannot be declared unilaterally by one party. And, you know, as the Usarian said in the Joseph Heller uh, uh, book, and it's on TV right now, that's some catch, uh, that catch 24. Um, And this is incredible because what they are basically saying is that the EU are going to 
agree to ride side saddle on this unicorn um, despite all the things that Boris Johnson says he's going to do as Prime Minister, withholding some or all of the divorce bill, kicking the Irish border down the can, uh, can down the road rather, uh, until after Halloween. Um, you know, these things directly contra contradict what Michelle Barnier has said of the EU's red lines, two of them anyway. You know, we can't, future trade talks won't be possible until Britain has settled its financial obligations and agreed to a plan on Ireland. Yet Boris Johnson is asking you to believe that he will make the EU unilaterally uh, agree or jointly agree to just forget all about those red lines um, and, uh, and join in with this thing, which will disadvantage them and their members. And the only evidence that he's really offering is the evidence of three years ago, which is that they believe, they still believe, that the EU needs us more than we need them. No, absolutely. It, it, it's, it's so bizarre that, you know, we're even entertaining this at the moment. I mean, even Mark Carney, the governor of the Bank of England, you know, has, you know, in the past ridiculed the whole thing, you know, is... I think even he called it a unicorn. Yes. Um, it's, it's just crazy that, that that's the only hope now that we've got, um, to, or, or what the Brexiteers have got to cling on to, um, to sort of reassure themselves that a no-deal Brexit would be OK because of this sort of obscure understanding of a rule, um, or, 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 of, a, of a piece of legislation. Um, I mean, there's a brilliant interview that we've got on the website at the moment with Marc Francois um, arguing with a former trade negotiator, you know, and the, the, the trade negotiator is is putting it quite clearly on the line exactly what could happen to agriculture and what could happen to the car industry in the event of a no-deal Brexit. And again, Mark talks about, um, you know, Gap 24 and this unicorn policy. Um, but he doesn't disagree with or dispute any of the possibility or the possible effects that might happen um, when we actually have a no-deal Brexit. But he says at least if we do wreck the car industry, at least it would be our choice, um, which just sort of shows... You know what what we're essentially dealing with here, um, and, and and what where the Brexiteers' mindset is at. Um, but it does also raise questions, I think, for people like Labour MPs, like Caroline Flint, for instance. Yeah. Who, you know, th at the weekend on on Mars show, said that she'd be more likely to side with um, a No Deal Brexit and allow that to happen than to revoke Article 50 and side with, you know, when we hit that cliff edge again. Um, you know, potentially remain in the EU, and you think, why? Why, as a Labour MP, would you want to side with these sort of people that, you know, really are just, you know, fantasising about, you know, the, the impact that, that that a No Deal Brexit could have. Yeah, well, I think I might, that Marc Francois thing is so remarkable. I might nick that for Brexiteer of the Week, which we'll get to in a, in a minute. And uh, we're going to get to Labour in a minute as well. I mean, it, it's... But this is crazy. Uh, you know, Liam Fox says he's wrong. The Attorney-General, Geoffrey Cox, who's another Brexiteer, says he is wrong. Mark Carney said, says he's wrong. The EU says he's wrong. But Boris Johnson, even on Tuesday... Um, was talking about his plan when he wasn't talking about buses he was talking about his plan being a hopeful prospect we should stop being so down about our ability to get this done it's 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 really depressing uh anyway we're going to be talking uh, about labor in a second i'll be back with john o'reed who's the uh, editor of the tne website now we're going to take a break from the pod for a moment to talk about The Week. Uh, you must all know about The Week. It's the magazine which aggregates all the most interesting bits of the previous seven days' news and turns it into one lovely package. It's, um, the Week is like a news filter. It pulls together the best and most interesting articles and opinion from 200 different sources every week. Things like The Guardian, The Telegraph, The Financial Times... You get multiple points of view on the most important topics, so you can be sure that you get the full picture. And thanks to our offer, you can try it free uh, for six weeks. Uh, Jono, what do you love about the week? I just think the fact that you can find anything in the world of news all under one roof with this production. So whether it's the uh, America politics debates about the Democratic Party, um, the dot com, the dot com bubble bursting um, again. You know. Oh God, it's not going to burst again. <laughs> again, is it? apparently that's the warning that we get. 
Also, I absolutely love the fact that they're talking about um, what the rest of the world thinks of Boris Johnson. So we've heard plenty of views of what we think of Boris Johnson. But to get that analysis sort of globally about what the rest of our international partners are thinking of Boris Johnson is particularly an insightful read as well. So, yeah, I mean, I, I almost compare it to like a Woolworths where everything is under one, under one roof. It's not just news, but science, sport, food, arts, etc. That's the stuff that I really like about it. That, I love that pick and mix uh, analogy, you know. Um, but I really like the fact that the stuff that I'm not, you know, I'm not massively interested in things that like, I think I should be, things like science and personal finance and stuff like that. Um, and you get, the, you know, the snippets of the, the best of the week. Um, and you can actually, you know, read less and know more. It's a real concise summary of, of, the, of the week, everything that you need to know in, in, one, um, in one quick read. Um, I think a good thing about it as well is, you know, you do get one point of view on this podcast. Mm-hmm. With, the, with the week, you get everything right absolutely i mean there's so much out there you know you can spend all day searching for opinions and views but actually just to have one place where you can go to 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 basically sum up everything that's going on in the world at the moment um is is an absolute godsend really for those that just don't have as much time these days to search for all these different news sources and websites and productions and magazines yeah it's good and uh, thanks to uh, our offer you can join thousands of people who trust the week as their essential curated news source you can try it for yourself and you get your first six issues completely uh, free and how do you do that you visit theweek.co.uk slash offer and you enter the offer code european and then that's for your first six free issues of the week i'll just repeat that again you visit the week.co.uk slash offer and you enter the offer code european for your six free issues of the week in a minute, we're going to be hearing from Richard Porritt. Remember Richard Porritt? I seem to vaguely remember him. He's going to be talking to Dinesh Deneja, Lib Dem MP for, uh, MEP sorry, for London, also the founder of eBookers. They'll be talking about the next Prime Minister, the resurgence of the Lib Dems. Before I let you go, Jono, mm-hmm. uh, what about Labour this week? Because this was the week that we were told we were going to, you know, John McDonnell said, expect white smoke from Labour about a clear commitment to a second referendum and supporting Remain in that referendum. Mm. Uh, we had a shadow cabinet meeting. It didn't happen. Mm, what I what mean, happened? I mean, it, it's not particularly surprising, really. It's not. Um, it, it's another fudge. Clearly, the shadow cabinet are growing tired of this. The fact that Jeremy Corbyn, I hate to use cliches, but keeps kicking the can down the road. You know, it's it's his position where he's trying to say, oh, you know, I need to consult everyone around me. Um, you know, I need to consult the membership, I need to consult the unions, etc. But, I mean, Margaret Beckett kind of put it right this week that, um, well, I think she was very kind about Jeremy Corbyn mm. in a way. She said it wasn't the leader's fault, but actually the people around him. And yes. Effectively, Jeremy Corbyn has, again, put that decision on ice um, so that he can speak to the unions. Um, who, of course, not all of them are very supportive of um, sort of branching out to a more remain position, although we have to say that quite a few are. Yeah. Um, GMB, Unison, Osdor. I mean, these are big unions that are in favour of this now. Yeah, and and the polling, again, of union members all suggest that they're very supportive of staying in uh, the European Union. Of course, we know that Labour members are overwhelmingly in support of staying in the European Union as well. Um, but I think it, you know, it's sort of the signs are starting to show that even the shadow cabinet are growing tired of this sort of fudge that keeps going on and on. I think even if we get to the point where Jeremy Corbyn does come out as a, you know, as a party of Remain, etc., um, that people won't be convinced anyway. I think you know it's just drawn on for so long that we're not really there. You know, it just won't be convincing by the time that happens. And I think that was very much the view that was expressed by people like Emily Thornbury in some of these meetings. But Diane Abbott, um, in the last day or two, has sort of tweeted about how she's beginning to worry about the Brexit position, which I suspect is stronger code for the fact yeah. she's getting quite fed up with it. Um, but yes, um, you know, Margaret Beckett, as I said, you know, she was very unconvinced that the people around him um, are particularly. Um, you know, are probably the real Brexiters and you know if, if you do want to believe in the fact that Jeremy Corbyn is all about the membership and giving people the voice uh, giving voice to, to the membership um, you know fair enough that he may want to consult but you know I think this has just gone on for too long now it is. Uh, it has. And, you know, maybe, uh, I mean, the real opposition is coming from 
all right, from internally from people like Seamus Milne, uh, who's the director of communications, as we know. Mm. Um, the the union opposition is coming from from Unison, isn't mm. it, and from mm. from Len McCluskey, yeah. um, and he is refusing to budge. Some of the things that were said in this shadow cabinet meeting, Emily Thornbury, we need a decision today. This is about leadership. Keir Starmer, we can't have half a policy. Tom Watson, the longer we leave this, the worse it will get. You know, we hear that Ian Lavery mm. and John Trickett and Rebecca Long Bailey and Angela Rayner all stood up and said Jeremy's doing the right thing. Mm. Uh, we must delay. Um, the really weird and depressing thing, well, not weird, is it? Because this is just what we've come to expect, is that it's going to be, even though Usdor um, and uh, a couple of the others are planning to meet in early July and try and um, have a, a more... Uh, Considered and uh, joined up opposition to uh, to Len McCluskey and Unite. Um, it's going to be the middle of July before Jeremy Corbyn meets the unions again. So you know, and then there's an NEC meeting after that, which mm. Len McCluskey will be at mm. again. So it's really going to be we're going to have a Conservative leader a new Conservative leader, a new Prime Minister, before we've got a coherent Labour policy on, on whether yeah. we're having a second referendum or and, not. And, and as we say, you know, it's not particularly surprising either. That's the sad thing about it. You know, it has just rumbled on and rumbled on. I mean, it, really, they should have took action after the local elections and after the European elections. But the fact that, so you know, Jeremy Corbyn said he was in listening mode, as, they, as all politicians say when they get a bit of a hammering in the polls. But, you know, the fact that, you know, we're still going to be that far down the line from those results and you know we we still don't know if any decision is going to be made be made in support of our cause or if it will just be another fudge further along the lines yeah and I, I mean i suspect that this is going to drag on so long now that nothing coherent will be done and we'll arrive at the labor party conference in september mm. still not knowing mm. what it is mm. then there'll be another rig or you know another Absolutely. fudge and uh, and um, you know, I think that it's odds on that there will be a general election this year, and and people will have to go into it really considering whether they can support the Labour Party. Uh, okay, thanks to uh, John O'Reid. It's been great to have you here. Uh, I will be back with the Brexiteers of the week. First, here is what happened when Richard Porritt met Dinesh Dineja. Uh, Dinesh is a Lib Dem MEP for London and he is going to uh, talk to Richard about his verdict on the next Prime Minister and the resurgence of the Lib Dems, uh, which is being helped out by Jeremy Corbyn. Welcome back. I'm joined by Dinesh Dineja, who is the uh, Lib Dem MEP in the London region and a massive remainer. So, uh, among friends with us, dear listener, Dinesh, how are you? Fine, thank you, Richard. And you, you're um, so you're newly elected, is that right? Absolutely. Well, just got elected on this Lib Dem wave, as we call it. Yeah, and and a real. I mean, let's start with the Lib Dems. There's a lot of things I want to chat to you about, but let's start with the Lib Dems because there is a real feeling of resurgence there, isn't it? I think perhaps he's being maybe overlooked because of the chaos of the two other major parties? Perhaps. I mean, uh, we've been in the doldrums for uh, about six or seven years, and, uh, uh, you know, it, it showed in all the elections that happened. So, I mean, uh, it really kicked off with the local elections, which weren't in London, yeah. they were in the rest of the country, but we uh, gained 705 seats. Yeah. Uh, when, the, when the Tories lost 1334 and, and, and Labour lost 75. So, I mean, I, that was an amazing result. I think it was on the 3rd or 4th of May. And then that which followed. Um, so we kept our momentum up by uh, the Euro elections. Yeah, we had one in, in, in Parliament in, in, in Europe, uh, one MEP, and we now have 16. Do you think, do you put this this current um, resurgence, this current return to success, down squarely to Brexit, though, because I think when um, it, it, the last general election, you know, the, the message hasn't changed. The Lib Dems were, were very much anti-Brexit then, but didn't seem to get that traction. Do, do you think that it, uh, that cut, that cut through has finally arrived now, and people are realising that the only party that you can trust? We were much more emphatic on on that we had one message for these Euro elections. Uh, and that was, um, uh, you know, 
you want to remain. And there was this very, very catchy phrase, bollocks to Brexit. Yes. Um, which really took, took on the, uh, uh, the media started noticing it because people started noticing it. And, um, and, and we just said we are against Brexit. I mean, no ifs, no buts. And that's what actually uh, pushed us through. And do you think you picked up a lot of um, voters from Labour? Because, of course, their position on Brexit has been, well, I mean, frankly, a shambles, hasn't it? The, the, the one, you know, one member of the, of the front bench is saying one thing while the leader is saying another. So that, you know, people, shady figures, shadowy figures behind the leader are saying completely different things altogether. I and mean, do you think that you, you really did grab quite a lot of uh, Labour vote? Well, we must have in London, um, as well as yeah. The point here is because of the North uh, Labour, the, the, the Northern constituencies of Labour being uh, Brexit and the Southern constituencies being Remain, they instead of leading uh, and Corbyn instead of leading and saying this is the way we're going to go and this is how we're going to get elected, uh, just um, went on the defensive and started pandering to both sides, and that's where you got lost. Yeah, quite, and and. You, 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 of course, the Dems are, are in in the midst of a, of a leadership change as well. Um, what do you think the Lib Dems need next from from their next leader? Uh, well, at least we're not. Um, <laughs> you know, we've lost, uh, and we've uh, uh, you know decided. Well, it's a nice you know, tidy handover. We have removed our leader. Absolutely. So to speak. The 1922 committee didn't act. <laughs> The, I mean, it, it, it's um, the, the, the message, the the, uh, the the anti-Brexit message will remain, whoever is the next leader, of course. But who, who is that? Have, have you decided who you'll be back in? Do you know who you're going to go for? I have. I have. No, no, I'm going to stay neutral. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think that the most excellent candidates, I know them well, and, um, and both of them will serve us well. And both of them will serve each other well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and a chance, a real great chance for the Liberal Democrats to, to build now, I think. You know, but it feels almost like back in um, Paddy Ashdown's day when there was, there was just, it just felt like there was some momentum really building, you know. And, and when, um, well, obviously. We, 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 we are lucky. We, we got Chaka uh, to join us. Well, that was my next question. <laughs> he, he's, he's one of a, the people who can hold a seat. Um, as you know, Stratham was the largest remaining yeah. Uh, in the 2016 2016 2016 referendum. Mm-hmm. But uh, well, hopefully we'll, we'll win the Brecken and Rad, Radna by election that's coming up soon. Uh-huh. Uh, because there was a re- recall petition. And I'm absolutely amazed. I saw today that uh, the, the Conservative MP who had been um, uh, convicted of fraud mm-hmm. has been re chosen mm. as their MP. Uh, to fight this uh, Yeah. It's, I mean, there's lots of strange things going on in both the Tory and the Labour Party. I think we can all agree on that at the moment. Um, let's, let's um, we, you know, we've, we've, we've done the backslapping. We, we know the Lib Dems are in a good place right now, and that is down to a lot of hard work by a lot of people, and, and you know, it's taking a little bit of time. Let, let's have a look at your opposition parties, because, yeah. I mean, they're both, as far as I can tell, in... Chaos, you know. I mean, we. What, what's your thoughts on the on the Tory leadership election? Because I think since since Rory Stewart left the scene, there doesn't seem to be a sensible voice involved, really. Well, uh, uh, Jeremy Hunt's in, in my personal view, Jeremy Hunt's not that bad. Uh huh. Uh, he is obviously. Um, uh, Rory was, I think, very good. Yeah. But uh, he didn't cut it with the. But you see, it's only one hundred sixty thousand conservative. Yeah. Uh, of the party who are going to decide and um, they are usually older they are usually much more conservative than the normal conservative party yeah. so um, uh, 
Boris Johnson's catering to that. But he also, I mean, I was totally amazed at the, at the number of votes he garnered in the House of Commons mm. uh, from the Conservative Party. It, I mean, Boris obviously is, is going to, if, if, he, if he isn't to win, which seems unlikely at this stage, although he's not had a good week, clearly, has he? But um, He's trying his best. He's trying his best to lose, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and you never know, he may succeed in doing that, yeah. Well, uh, well you yeah, know, he is a successful man. <laughs> it does feel to me like, though, that, that the, um, you know, the incident which... Whatever happened or didn't happen, we probably never know. But the incident that happened at, at um, his girlfriend's flat last Friday, and, and then the kind of botched job, I think, with the, with the picture release and whatnot um, earlier in the week, it, it does feel like um, he it, he is it's slipping away from him a little bit. The momentum does seem to be with Jeremy Hunt, um, and he's been. I think he had a certainly strong start to the week when he said that Boris was showing cowardice by not doing the debates, etc., etc. And we've still got, you know, three and a bit weeks of this left to go. And the problem, as, as Boris's campaign team know very well, is that given oxygen, you know, this man will choke. Uh, and, and, and there's going to be plenty, there has I to mean, be opportunities. Three and a week is a very long time for politics. Yeah, yeah. So, so you can't really, I mean, whatever anyone says, I think And an increasingly good chance, I think. And you said, you said Jeremy Hunt's not not that not that bad. I mean, I, I think I think we would all agree that he is the lesser of the of the two evils here, especially if we're focusing just on on Brexit. Um, but it, it, do you think? I, that, I'm not sure how how these guys are going to uh, get uh, the House of Commons to to vote no. uh, for a no deal Brexit or any Brexit for that matter. Well, that, I mean that. That that the, the magic they're promising on that is um, still to be seen, isn't it? Because it really will take some some wizardry to change those numbers. He came out. He might get Boris came out today, saying that the House Commons will vote. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for the uh, for a uh, deal Brexit, which I just can't. You know, I mean, of course he can say what he likes, and Trump said what he liked, and so what. And do you see do you see a correlation between the sort of politics that we you know we, we've seen? In, in the States with Donald Trump and, and Boris Johnson. I mean, I've, we've said before on this podcast that we, that we can actually see the correlation between Trumpian um, campaigns and, and, and uh, you know, campaign methods and, and Jeremy Corbyn. It's just populism, isn't it? Do you think Boris is, is going to be a populist prime minister if he was to win? I have no clue. I mean, I have this... Um, well, I'm not sure There certainly is an element that, uh, uh, about him that, that people like. I mean, we've seen him get away with all kinds of indiscretions in the past, um, and uh, he, he does seem to be Teflon um, coated, doesn't he? Uh, and 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 finally, then, I mean, do you, do you think that it is? You mentioned that um, there is only a very small electorate when it comes to who will choose the next Tory leader and next prime minister. Do you, do you think that? It, it, it would be undemocratic then not to go back to the country because it seems unlikely the Tories would want to do well, that. I mean, I, I, this is, these are the rules and, and, and that's what's happening. I mean, yeah. of course, the rules need to be changed um, and, and uh, so that we have a much more representative uh, House, House of Commons or, you know, because without proportional representation, you just can't get that. Yeah. Having said that, I mean, I, the, more, the reason why I'm so against Brexit is that any form of Brexit is bad for Uh, or in any um, kind of Brexit, I don't know, depends on the negotiation. 
we're going to be losing a market of 450 million people. I mean, the total market is 512 million, approximately. Mm. And we're going to be losing 450 million. Now, that's the, if you were on the high street and you suddenly lost 80% uh, of the people walking by you, well, you would be 80% down in sales. Yeah. So, um, I think this is, so jobs are going to move from the UK to the continent. Not that we will take all the people. Let's say if I employed 100 people in London, um, I would move 80 jobs uh -huh. to the continent. Um, and, and that wouldn't be the 80 moving from London to the continent because, you know, they might have kids in schools and so on and so forth, mm. wives working, etc., or husbands. Uh, but I, I'd be employing uh, uh, Dutch or German or French people. Mm. So that revenue from taxes that the Treasury gets will go away. Yeah. And, um, and that's, you know, money from NHS, roads, police, and everything else. But there's more industry now. That's all. Mm. I mean, as a businessman, I would suffer a bit by having to spend money to open another office. But the country suffers, and Joe Bloggs suffers in a big way. Yeah, yeah. Because they just won't have jobs. I mean, okay, they might turn around and get other jobs when I dash it. Everyone's going to be moving. Exactly, quite, and, and you know, and these are these are figures that we've been we've been t telling people for for a long time now, and nothing's changed, nothing's new. It's still a dreadful I idea. Used, it was three years ago. I used to have three, a, a market of three hundred million people with e-bookers, and I can stand up against anyone and say, you know, this. When I used to bring up my figures every quarter, because mm. I was on the Nasdaq, and, 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 or every half year, when the English. Our public companies um, uh, brought their figures out. My figures were far, far better than than uh, than theirs, and the reason was I had a market of three hundred million people, and they had a market of sixty. Yeah, yeah. Sim so simple maths. <laughs> it's, it's stupid. Um, uh, and then, of course, uh, the other thing I like about Europe is that every so often you see American companies coming and buying English companies. And you know, because they have a market, much bigger market, 330 million, but we have a market of 60. So uh, we don't grow as fast, we don't grow as big. Um, yes, there are a few going the other way, but very few. But if we're part of Europe, which with a, with a market of 512 million people, we will grow so much faster mm. and be able to, 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 to match the Americans or buy them, mm. and, mm. you know, rather than just one way traffic. Absolutely. Well, the, do, do you think, do, final question, I don't want to keep you much longer, but final question, um, do, do you think there is still hope to, to actually stop Brexit or, or is the best we can hope for the, the soft, yeah? Of course there is. Uh, <laughs> uh, the House of Commons, at least a dozen or more Conservative MPs not going to vote for, for a no-deal Brexit anyway. Yeah. The deal that they have, um, and that's Theresa May's deal, has been voted down three times. Uh, I, I, I doubt if they'll, they'll be able to, you know, change it. The Europeans said that they're certainly not going to negotiate the deal. The political agreement, they'll negotiate, but who knows what happens? Um, because they're talking about uh, some big egos, you know, Macron and, yeah. and, and, and all the others, and, and they'll want their pound of flesh. And I don't want to give anyone their pound of flesh to them, because I feel... You know, we should be on the table. We have our own veto, and um, we do it for us. Well, and, I, and we're going to lose that. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're. The, the the speed at which you answered my question there as if I would ask the most ridiculous question of all time in, in could Brexit be stopped I think we'll we'll fill all our hearts with joy um, because it sometimes sometimes it's been you know it's been a, it's been a tricky campaign and it's looked dead in the water a few times the fact well, that we're, we're, you know pigs can fly <laughs> sure. but, but the point here is very simple yeah. that it doesn't make sense and every member of parliament who has a half a brain knows that any form of Brexit is going to hurt our economy, hurt our people. As far as sovereignty goes, because they, they need to go over to sovereignty. Well, why are we members of the International Court of Justice? Why are we members of the WTO? Because we have to subserve ourselves to the WTO Court. Mm. Why are we members of the War Crimes 
It's a very good point, well made. At that point, I shall uh, say farewell. Thank you very much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Richard, it's a pleasure too. Brexiteer of the Week. Richard Porritt there. He will be back next week, whether you want him to be back or, or not. But I tell you, there is a bonus for this week, and it's uh, when I announce the Brexiteer of the Week in a couple of minutes' time, you would normally get some bad singing in a uh, Yorkshire accent. Uh, you're not going to get that this week. So that's a little hint. Let's have some runners-up for the Brexiteer of the Week first. Uh, Darren Grimes, remember that guy? Uh, and as we reach the third anniversary of the referendum in which Darren Grimes broke electoral law by channeling 625 thousand quids worth of funds from vote leave to their ad agency uh, in the final days of the campaign uh, the young campaigner was in sombre mood and he tweeted I think that by the end of the year we'll have a Jeremy Corbyn led coalition government electoral reform, no Brexit, a second Scottish referendum and the end of the Conservative Party as we know it, all because of our MPs and their failure to deliver Brexit. And perhaps later on Darren's going to explain to us what the downside is. That all sounds very good uh, to me. Uh, Mark Francois, of course, our friend, the Conservative MP from Rayleigh and Wickford, he's like a, a sort of Brexiteer version of Lotso, the evil bear from Toy Story 3, isn't he? And uh, a tremendous performance by him on uh, the Adam Bolton show on Sky News All Out Politics. He was on with economist David Hennig. Uh, whenever Marc Francois is on opposite an economist, I, I always think that the, 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 you know, the scales are slightly weighted in favour of the economist. And so it proved David Hennig, uh, he's on there talking about a no-deal Brexit. He says it's going to mean really high tariffs for the car industry and agriculture. Uh, he says if we are going to set all our tariffs at zero, it's going to mean that other countries will say they don't need a trade deal with us and then he talks about the car industry a lot more and he said for our car producers 122,000 people work on manufacturing cars and automotive equipment they are going to be hit a huge percentage of those jobs will go overseas to which Marc Francois replied the fundamental point is if they are going to be hit at least it will be our choice uh, and that's where we are right now. Um, he's happy to uh, see those jobs go overseas uh, because it will at least be our choice to send them overseas. Uh, the Jacobite is a, an unexpected candidate for Brexiteer of the Week. That is a train. Um, and you will know it if you've uh, been unfortunate enough to watch the uh, Harry Potter films. Um, uh, it's the train, it, they use it as the model for the Hogwarts Express. It doesn't actually look like the Hogwarts Express, uh, which of course was created by the arch remainer J.K. Rowling. Uh, it's a train, you, the most famous moment, I think, of the train in the films uh, is, of course, when it takes off from platform nine and three quarters or whatever it is. The second most famous one um, is when it goes over a big viaduct, uh, the Glenfinnan Viaduct in Scotland, uh, with its 21 arches, um, incredible uh, viaduct. And uh, that is the daily route of the Jacobite train. It's a, an icon for uh, people in Scotland, I understand. It goes on uh, an 84-mile stretch. Uh, from Malig uh, to Fort William or Fort William to Malig depending on which side you're, you're on it's on the West Highland Railway line and um, there's been anger in Scotland about this because it, it appeared on the front uh, appropriated without consent apparently uh, by Nigel Farage's group in the EU Parliament that's the EFDD um, uh, group which I believe was their O-level results too um, and they have used the celebrated train's image on a leaflet which is titled What Scotland Really Thinks About the EU and uh, people up in arms about this not least West Coast Railways themselves uh, they said, we never gave permission for the Jacobite to be used in this campaign. The Jacobite has got, certainly has no intention of steaming out of Europe. And um, uh, what Scotland really thinks about the EU, I think, with respect to Nigel Farage and his EFDD group, uh, was shown in the recent European elections, wasn't it? The Brexit Party took 14.8% of the vote in Scotland, uh, and pro-Remain parties, not including the Labour Party, took 61.8%. Uh, so let's not pretend that trains, planes, automobiles in Scotland, any of them support Brexit. It's a tiny uh, number of people. 
Uh, Jeff Boycott, well, there's no one better qualified to comment on the economics of a no-deal Brexit than a 78-year-old ex-cricketer who used to live in uh, South Africa. Uh, Jeff Boycott told Good Morning Britain the other day that Britain would thrive because, and I'm quoting him here, we fought two world wars and we came out on top because of the spirit and the determination of the British people. That's what the British people do. That water around our island has saved us from all kinds of things. Well... Are we going to survive in a no-deal Brexit scenario just by drinking the water? Is that what Jeff Boycott thinks? And didn't we come out on top after the Second World War, partly because of the spirit and the determination of the American army and the Russian army, as well as our own um, uh, you know, spirit and determination? I do find it incredibly depressing when people uh, look back and say uh, it won't be, no-deal Brexit won't be as bad as uh, the Second World War. The Second World War was pretty horrific, the First World War was pretty horrific. I don't think a no-deal Brexit will be quite as bad, but comparing them to uh, global catastrophes is uh, not a good look. But the Brexiteer of the week is is Morrissey. Uh, and this is where Richard Porritt would have been singing badly and out of tune. Uh, I'm not going to sing badly and out of tune for a change. Morrissey, he told his fan site, Morrissey Central... Britain is a dangerously hateful place now and I think we need somebody to put a stop to the lunacy and to speak for everyone. Well, that's great. Uh, Apparently, the special somebody uh, Morrissey had in mind, however, is uh, the Islam-baiting for Britain leader Anne-Marie Waters. Uh, Now, he also said of Nigel Farage, it's obvious that he would make a good Prime Minister if anyone of, of us can actually remember what a good Prime Minister is. Yeah, that is almost as difficult as remembering what a good Morrissey record is um so morrissey brexiteer of the week please stop saying things morrissey you're absolutely ruining everybody's childhood uh now i've got all that off my chest and morrissey is the brexiteer of the week it's nearly bagpipe time thank you for listening to this new european podcast remember to give us great reviews on your podcast host of choice whether that's itunes or spotify or audiobook we love great reviews if you want to help us to fight brexit here's what you can do go to steadyhq.com search for the new european and you can commit a couple of quid a month or whatever you like to help us keep printing and podding for the new european that's steadyhq.com and search for the new european you can join the new european readers group on facebook just search for the new european and you can follow us on twitter at the new european you can follow me on twitter at sanglesey that's s-a-n-g-l-e-s-e-y you can also follow richard on twitter thanks and we'll be back next week here you go Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.